Hi, you're listening to the sermon recording podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. Well, I was letting you guys know Mike is uh, someone whose heart is for this church, and I just love Mike's uh, support and encouragement. Uh, as many of you guys may or may not know, Mike's role uh, has kind of evolved over the last few years from being, um, in many ways, effectively like a lead pastor to a co-pastor, uh, mm-hmm. and then really kind of more of an encourager and a coach and a missionary uh, as a part of our community. So yeah. I'm not sure if you're probably going to talk about this at all tonight, but just so that you guys are aware, please continue to pray and support Awaken because as you pray for us and support us, by both prayerfully and financially, we're able to send out people like Mike. And Mike's helping to coach and mentor and speak into missional communities, missional churches, and churches who want to figure out what missional living looks like all throughout Hampton Roads. And so his calendar is swamped every week with coaching and building people up and mentoring other leaders and young uh, pastors and also older pastors that are trying to yeah. kind of learn a new trick as an old dog kind of an idea. So yep. we're thankful, Mike, just for your heart. I want you to hear that for me as one of the That's co-leaders, me. but also so you guys know how to be specifically praying for Mike and the ways that he kind of helps us out behind the scenes and how he kind of continues out the missional pulse of our church into the vision of what we have throughout all of Hampton Road. So anyway, it's your sermon. Here you go, bro. Awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, let's, uh, I, I want, I know, I know we just prayed and I know that we can oftentimes use prayer as a, uh, wow, that's a great transition. Let's pray. Um, but I, I really want to pray that, uh, the spirit of God speaks to us tonight and I'm going to share some things that, uh, so, so Jeff knows this from lots and lots of history. Philip has learned this. They give me every once in a while something to speak on. I speak on a little bit about it and then I also speak a lot of other things, so, I'm going to share with you a lot tonight, some of what they've asked me to do and some of what the Spirit is really working in me. So let's just pray and ask the Spirit to speak to us. Lord Jesus, we come before you tonight setting aside a sacred time. Lord, all of life is sacred. All of our time is sacred. But Lord, we choose this time here to set aside just to come together in community, to yearn, to hear you speak to us, to lead us, Lord, as we'll talk about tonight, to give us vision, a vision for a greater kingdom than the kingdom that we can live for here. We pray that you would instill that vision within us, the vision for your kingdom, the vision to, uh, to see your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, as Jesus himself prayed those very same words. We pray those words as well. In your precious name, amen. So, <clears throat> we're finishing a series tonight, Family Talk. And uh, I was asked to share with you about vision as a family. And when I want you to... I want you to understand that as I think of family, I think of family in a lot of different ways. I think of family as my own immediate family. So I'm a dad with four kids, a beautiful wife that is much smarter than I am, much more gracious than I am, 
just a better human being in person than I am. So just so you're aware of that. But uh, I, I speak of family as my immediate family, and I speak of family as our extended family, as I get to celebrate uh, living close to grandparents. We haven't lived close to grandparents, any of our marriage, and so it's been fun the last two years to have that. Uh, at the same time, I speak of family with, uh, family with those that the Lord allows you to walk through life with. And I don't, I don't think that you can look at family and not look at your community of faith that you walk with. And so as I share a lot about family vision tonight, I want you to think about that in terms of your own immediate family, and I want you to think about that in terms of the family, the people you choose to walk through this world with, including the people here. And so as I was thinking about family and kind of where to start, because for me, there's so many different paradoxes with family. There's so many different paradoxes within us as people. And so I actually stumbled upon this quote. It's actually song lyrics. Anybody U2 fan? Yeah, U2? Can we show those lyrics? I believe in the kingdom come, then all the colors will bleed into one. But yes, I'm still running. Does this sound familiar, anybody? U2 fans, yeah? You broke the bonds and you loosened the chains. You carried the cross of my shame. You know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. So if you know anything about Bono, about you 2 many of the band, not all, many of the band would proclaim to be Christ's followers. It amazes me with the platform that they've been given. I mean, they, I think they still sell out stadiums, right? Like, I remember as a kid, stadiums being sold out, and it was like Axl Rose, right? But they still sell out stadiums, which is amazing for this era, because you don't see that very often anymore. And in those lyrics, they obviously are speaking to Christ, the one who broke the chains, the one who set us free. But yet there's a paradox within the lyrics of those songs. And that paradox is what? I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I don't know about you, but for me, even in the last year, just a a, a real wrestling for me personally, a wrestling around looking at something and saying, that's just not right, and it needs to be right. Anybody else have that sentiment? Looking at something and saying, that is just not whole, and it's meant to be whole. Anybody else? What what is it for you looking into something and saying it should be this, but it's not yet? What what are some of those things for you? What's that? That is a big question. It's things that aren't right that should be right. Things that are not whole that should be whole. What am I missing? How about things that are not finished and should be finished? House repairs? Things that should be in harmony and they're not in harmony. 
unison. They're not in unison. Unity, and they're not in unity. There's a Hebrew word that I've grown to love in the last two years. It's the word shalom. This inner peace, this inner wholeness. But it's not here yet. I was looking around at some other quotes, and I stumbled upon uh, this quote by... uh, <clears throat> the guy that wrote uh, the Ragamuffin Gospel, Brennan Manning. Take a look at this. When I get honest, I admit I am a bundle of paradoxes. He says, I believe and I doubt. Anybody else believe and doubt that you'll get the home repairs finished? I hope and get discouraged. I love and I hate. I feel bad about feeling good. I feel guilty about not feeling guilty. Anybody? I am trusting and suspicious. I am honest and I still play games. Aristotle said I am a rational animal. I say I am an angel with an incredible capacity for beer. I love me some craft beer. I like to think that I'm an angel. We're full of paradoxes, aren't we? I have to ask myself, when I think of vision, what is it that breaks my heart? And to answer that question, I have to look at what's not right yet. What's not whole yet? What's not finished yet? What's not at peace yet? And as you read through the pages of Scripture, it's riddled full of these paradoxes that things are meant to be one way, but it's not there yet. You see, the church is meant to be a representation of God's coming kingdom. Jesus finished a work. But as we learn from our still arena-filling band... I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I come before you and I say, I seek God daily. Sometimes I feel close and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I think I see a glimpse of the kingdom of God and sometimes I'm like, man, that looks like a big pile of... Sometimes I think I'm finished, and other times I'm like, wow, there's still a lot of work to do. And when I think I'm finished, other people tell me there's a lot of work to do. I want to show you John 14, starting in verse 8. I could stand here all night and talk about paradoxes. But I want to talk about vision in spite of those paradoxes. In John 14, chapter 8, or John chapter 14, verse 8, Philip says to our Lord, Savior Jesus, he says, Show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Anybody have those kind of prayers? Do this, and it will be enough for me until tomorrow. And Jesus says to him, he says, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me? 
Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? This is, uh, let, let me stop there. We're going to look at some more of this text. But it's amazing to me as you read that text, Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He's speaking of this incredible, like, paradoxical, like, mysterious, like, how do we comprehend? He's speaking about the Trinity. He's speaking about this idea, if you have seen one, you have seen the other. If you have heard from one, you have heard the other. But yet he's speaking as though they're very completely different persons or beings as well. You see, he's speaking of the Trinity. We, within the church, for a long time, we, it, it, it's like one of those theological concepts that we say, oh yes, we believe in the Trinity. We put it back here on the back shelf and we say, but I have no idea what it means. And I think it has stunted our growth as the church. It has stunted how we understand our God and has stunted how we walk with God in this place. You see, within culture, Jesus is pushing in and he's speaking into something. He's saying God is not just this omnipresent being off here in the distance. No, God is right here in this very moment. Jesus is pushing in. He's saying God is not just this deity that is like dipping in every once in a while and then dipping back out. Jesus is saying, no, God is the flow that all life comes from. Your source of life comes through this triune God. I have friends that have done deep studies on the Trinity itself and can go as far as saying, hey, many of us will believe in two of the three, but we really never come to a place of believing in the wholeness of our being in all three of the Trinity. That's a very complicated conversation we can talk more about later. But I say it here to bring this up because Jesus is making a powerful statement that in order to see the Father, you have to see the Son. Here in a minute, he's going to make a powerful statement about the Spirit. I have even been convicted in my own prayers of my sometimes non-acknowledgement of certain beings of the triune God that I serve. Jesus, thank you for leading me today. No, not really. The Spirit is leading me today. How many of... Uh, How many of us in this room, I'm going to ask you a question, outcome-based or journey-based kind of thinking? So outcome-based kind of thinking, you're like, hey, I'm always looking at the goal down here. This is where I want to get to. Others of us are like, hey, I'm looking at the step today and tomorrow. Okay, so how many of us are outcome-based thinkers? You're thinking about the journey way down the road. How many? Okay, 
some of you. How many of you are journey-based thinkers? So you don't think until it's time to think. No? Maybe? Is that not fair, Jeff? What's that? Still thinking. Still thinking. Saturday night, still thinking. This... uh, Can any of you say that you've really figured out the movements of the Spirit? Have you even stopped to try to think and consider it? The Spirit of God is moving all around us. It is our source of, He is our source of life. Have you ever stopped to consider why the Spirit does something one day and something different the next? My wife, Connie, has done a lot of work around understanding different personality types. And she's told me, she says, that every personality type wears their own kind of glasses they see through. So you will look through a particular lens that is different maybe than the lens that I look through. So the world looks different to you than it does me. In this season of my life, I'm trying to learn and understand to look through a different set of glasses. I actually have readers now I never needed like two years ago. But I'm learning to see through a different set of glasses. You know what those glasses are? I'm trying really hard to see through the glasses of the Holy Spirit. Now I can tell you like the theological framework that I came from is like, dude, that's like getting on weird stuff. But the longer that I pursue... God the Father, God the Son, and there is God the Spirit. The more that I realize that there is a movement of the Spirit that is happening every minute, every hour, every day of the week, every month of the year, and every year that we walk this earth. And I'm trying to put on glasses to see things through the lens of the Spirit. I'm trying to put on glasses that will see things differently than I am used to seeing them. I'm trying to put on glasses that see things through a kingdom view, not my kingdom, the kingdom of God. And really, what it means to be Christian, what it means to be a Christ follower, is to put on a different set of glasses. to put on a different set of glasses. Some of you know, this uh, last season for me, about the last six months have been the hardest six months of my entire life. No lie, no exaggeration. Um, Just internal wrestling, Anxiety, a a lack of inner peace, shalom. And so I uh, went to a a counselor. I said, hey, I've I've got a problem. 
Am I allowed to say this here? I looked at my counselor. I said, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. My wife asked me before I went to go see him. She said, are you scared to go talk to him? I said, no, I can tell anybody my junk if they want to listen long enough. I said, but there probably is one thing that I'm scared of. She said, what's that? I'm afraid it's going to take longer than I want it to take. You know the first thing my counselor said to me? I shared with him kind of the internal struggle that's going on inside of me. He looks at me and he says, Wow, Mike. You know those things you're talking about? Those aren't new. Those have been there since childhood. I'm like, oh, crap. This is going to take forever. (laughs) I'm learning how to walk through life, not just looking at the outcome. I used to be an engineer. My top strengths are strategy and vision and strategic thinking. And I get to do a lot of that in my work now. We're, looking at, we're, we're actually working on three different church plants right now in Hampton Roads. So I get to do a lot of church planting stuff around the country. Specific at home is where my heart is. Three different church plants, Portsmouth, Hampton, and Newport News. But I'm having to learn not just look at the outcome, but look at the journey. God is doing something in the journey. And you know what that takes? That takes a different set of glasses. It takes a set of glasses to ask the right questions. What is the Spirit of God doing right now in this minute? And can I dare say it's a question that many of us will never ask because we're scared of what the answer will be. Many of us will sit in this room We will never ask, what is the Spirit saying to me right now? Because you know why? Because the counselor will look at you and say, man, you've been dealing with that your whole life. You'll be like, crap, I don't have time for this. The triune God says, no, this is what life is about. It's a maturing process. It's about you becoming a part of the kingdom and displaying through to the world a different way of life. A life that does come to a place of wholeness and shalom and inner peace, but to get there is a journey. And it's riddled with paradoxes. But in order to get there, you have to ask the question, what is my vision for life? So before I run out of time, this next text, it says, Jesus says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. He's talking about room for the Spirit of God to work. Can I show you a painting? So I'm not like a big arts kind of guy. I'm learning to like tap into other parts of who I am. This is a a painting by a Russian artist from the 15th century. His name is Andrei Rublev. Anybody heard of him? No? So this is a painting of the Trinity. This was his depiction of the Trinity. 
I want to point out a couple things. It shows the Trinity around a table. One of the things that I love about Awaken is we believe in tables. Our MCs are littered full of tables. I sat around a table earlier today with people that know Jesus and people who are questionable with, about Jesus. And all of us are trying to figure out life together. I want to point out something else in this picture. The front of the table, you see a little rectangle? You see the little rectangle? So a lot of people over the centuries have, ha- have tried to guess, what is that rectangle? Many people believe that it was a place where Andre put a mirror so that those that looked upon the painting would see themselves sitting in the midst of that table. Have you ever pictured yourself around the table with the triune God that you serve? Have you ever pictured yourself in the divine dance as many theologians have said over the centuries in step with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? This is what the Son is speaking to. He continues in verse 15. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And he says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another, a helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Can I make another bold statement? Well, I'm not going to ask because I'm just going to do it. It says the world does not know him. I wonder how many of us don't know him as well. And I say that very convictingly because I think I tried to reason my way through faith for a long time. And I'm learning how to sit at the table I'm learning how to look for how is the Spirit moving today, not just my own outcomes for tomorrow. And trying to change things today to get what I want tomorrow. Or trying to maneuver certain things today in order to get the outcome that is desired tomorrow. And please don't hear me. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with work. But the question is, what vision are we working for? Are we working for a vision of the kingdom or a vision for my own kingdom? Are we learning to posture ourselves to stop and ask and listen, what is the Spirit doing around me today? Jesus, uh, actually, Jesus says something pretty bizarre. Actually, I think it's personally kind of ridiculous. Am I allowed to say that? Jesus says something ridiculous. It's in verse 12. Jesus says, Truly, truly, you guys are doing a great job sticking up, like hanging with me in this. Thank you. 
I'm not always easy to track with. Verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. This is the ridiculous part. He says, greater works than these will you do. Jesus says, you will do greater works than he. (laughs) Yeah. And, And then he says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. The Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I'll I'll do it. I know you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, but I've asked this one thing and it never happened. You're still looking through the wrong set of glasses. I'm still looking through the wrong set of glasses most of the time. I'm looking through my own kingdom glasses. How can I look good today? Those are usually the glasses that I wear that God is taking away. Stripping. Teaching me a new set of glasses. Oh, you you got your own glasses. That's for you to figure out. You got your own glasses. My, uh, counselor asked me one of the times I've talked to him. It's actually been relieving. He says, you're not as screwed up as you think you are, so that's kind of nice. But he asked me, he says, Mike, what, what is your vision? And so I'm like, dude, that's an easy question. Like, that's what I do all day is share vision with people. Literally, I go talk to pastors churches, and I share vision of how they can reach their communities. I share what we do with missional communities, the impact that we can have through missional communities. I share about the vision of what it can look like within a post-Christian world. We live in a post-Christian world today. The church is not the center of culture, if you haven't realized yet. And so I go on to share this vision, and then I share with them how we're in the process over the next three years of planting five churches just here in Hampton Roads, gathering some other churches together to be a part of that church planting effort, raising up new leaders, planting 25 missional communities through Hampton Roads. So I'm, I'm like getting jazzed. I'm like, hey, you asked me a question that I can finally answer. So I went on for probably 15 minutes. Then he looked at me and he said, Mike, I don't know that you understood my question. I'm like, what do you, what? And then he said, we'll have to talk about that next time. We're out of time. You go ahead and think about that. I had three darn weeks to think about that. And it rattled me. I'm like, what do you mean I don't know my vision? Then I remembered early on sitting in a coffee shop. I was in college. 
And honestly, it's like one of those moments in life. I think you have several moments in life where you come face to face with your creator. And this was like one of those first moments. And it was in that moment, it was like, I, I think I'm ready to surrender. I think I'm ready to like give my life and say, okay, how can I serve your kingdom, God, not my own? And again, it's been like a paradox of riddles for the last 20 years. So don't think that it's like, oh man, that one instance, now I got it right. Now, more than half the time, I got it wrong. My wife gets it right most of the time. But So I went back to that table. I was sitting at a table. And I remember telling God, I remember saying, you know, I think I just want to help people. And what I mean by that is I don't think that people understand what it means to be fully human. And I think the gospel gives us a set of glasses to look through that allows us to see what it looks like to one day be fully human. I just want to help people be fully human. To see things that aren't whole become whole. To see things that aren't finished to become finished to see things that aren't right to become right, to see people that aren't at peace to find peace, this inner shalom that I am some days living into and other days I'm like, oh, wait a minute, where'd that go? Then I went back to two people that I met. One person I met, his name was John. He's a retired pastor. I was sitting in a seminary. It was a round circle of about six of us. And John, I don't remember any words he said or anything that he did, but I remember leaving a conversation where he spoke very little, walking away saying to myself, you know what, I think I just encountered God in this place. I think for the first time I just saw God through that man. I think I just sat in the presence of the Spirit. There was this warmness, this invitation, this I could say anything in that moment and would not be judged. Not that I would be like able to get away with anything in that moment. But this warmness like, yeah, me too. Let's figure this out. Fast forward three years ago, I'm sitting in another circle. This time, it's both women and men. It's about eight of us, and there's dialogue around leadership and ministry and trying to follow God in this space. And in that space, a lady, she's a, a grandmother, she's a school teacher. She reaches across the circle with her words. And in her words, she gives an invitation. And her invitation is simple. How can I pray for you? Speaking directly to me. And I've had a ton of people ask me over the years, like, hey, how can I pray for you? But there was something in that moment that I stopped and I paused 
And I said, you know what? I think I just encountered God in this moment. Her name was Gwen. For whatever reason, in that moment, it's like the Spirit spoke to me through her. Again, just this warmness, this invitation, this desire of belonging and being, being known. So as I wrestled through that question from my counselor, I went back to the early days of what is my vision. Honestly, I remember just saying, you know what? I just want people to see Jesus through me. And probably 80% of the time that doesn't happen. I probably get it wrong. But man, if people can just see Jesus through me, like, and how often do I try to like force that to happen? Like, oh, you have a question around this in your life. I can help you with that. Rather than just being present, being gracious with an invitation to be known, to be accepted, to be invited in. Something my family is trying to learn to do. Following Jesus, following this triune God, envisioning ourselves around a table where there's mutual giving and receiving. There's no pride, there's humility. There's no desire to outdo one over the other. There's perfect peace within this triune God that we serve. And he invites me around this table. Not asking me to go do something grand. But I, I love to do stuff grand. Just an invitation to sit. To be known. To be invited in. So you ask vision. What does it look like to have a family vision? A personal vision? Oh, I can paint you a vision of church planning and ministry outreach and strategies to do this. And there's partners coming to the table to do all these things. But over the last couple of months, the Lord is teaching me that vision is learning how to sit at a table. To sit at a table with the Holy Spirit, with the Son and the Father. As this triune God does a deep work within me. And then also learning how to share tables with others. My family and I are trying to learn something that I heard from a church planner that I coach. He says, hey, one of the things we do is we say, find three people to love that don't know Jesus and share tables with them once a month. I shared a table with one of those guys today. Find two people that... Uh, are people that love Jesus in your community and learn how to care for them. 
I'm learning how to do that right now. Two people in our community that I want to love better. I want to serve better. And then he says, one person that you'll actually invest your life into. Mentor. You know, Jesus calls it discipleship. I think we get a little bit scared. It's basically saying, taking what I've learned and giving it to somebody else. I think many of us wait way too long. I mean, the disciples were not trained up before they went and made more disciples. I promise you, I didn't go through a bunch of learning before I started going and making new disciples. So our family is learning how to share a table with three people that don't know Jesus, love two people that are in our awakened family, and disciple one person. I'm learning how to sit at the table of the triune God to allow a journey, to learn how to walk in peace, to learn that, yes, things are not as they should be today but it's not my job to fix it all. It's my job to journey. And then learn how to share tables with other people here, other people in our communities. Learn to be in relationship without outcome. I hope we can learn some of that together. Father, thank you that you sit on high. That you don't just watch, but you partake. You partake through the sending of your son, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice that we may know a triune God. Thank you that you had to go so the spirit could come. And in this text, Jesus, you say that we will not be orphans because of your spirit. So spirit, thank you that we are not orphans. Teach us how to sit at your table. Teach us how to sit at your table in mutual submission, respect, giving and receiving, humility, learning to see things through a different set of glasses. Lord, let us desire to trust you more today than yesterday and tomorrow more than today and not feel like we have to force our own way. But Lord, let us live into a greater vision than our own kingdom. Continue to purify our own visions. Amen. Amen.